Well, do you know what um, New Year's birthdays and funerals have in common? At least one thing I can think of. They all three make us think about time. They all make us think about time. We wonder, am I, am I using my days, my time well? Um, am I doing what I should be doing? Am I wasting time? Do I have any regrets? Oh, look at it, it's passing. And, you know, 2020, it makes you think, it makes you reflect. Birthdays do, funerals do. Um, Meriwether Lewis, who was one part of the Lewis and Meriwether exploratory team that explored the West in the early 1800s. By the way, if you didn't know, what were they looking for? They were actually looking for a waterway from the West Coast to the East Coast. And when they got to the Rockies, they said, there is no river from the West to the East. That was a surprise. But that's really one of the main reasons why they went, was to find a waterway from the West Coast to the East Coast in America. But anyway, on his 32nd birthday, um, Lewis Merriweather, Merriweather Lewis, sorry, said, This day I completed my 31st year and conceived that I had in all human probability now existed about half the period which I am to remain in this world. I reflected that I had as yet done very little, very little indeed to further the happiness of the human race or to advance the information of the succeeding generation. I viewed with regret that the many hours I have spent in indolence and now sorely feel the want of the information which those hours would have given to me had they been judiciously expended. But since they are past and cannot be recalled, I dashed from me the gloomy thought and resolved in the future to live for mankind as I have heretofore lived for myself. That's the great explorer. Another guy wrote about time. Time is an opportunity, equal opportunity employer. Each human being has exactly the same number of hours and minutes every day. Rich people can't buy more hours. Scientists can't invent new minutes. And you can't save time and spend it on another day. Even so, time is amazingly fair and forgiving. No matter how much time you've wasted in the past, you still have an entire tomorrow. Success depends upon using it wisely by planning and setting priorities. The fact is, time is worth more than money, and by killing time, we are killing our own chances for success. So there's some thoughts on time. You know, I turned, uh, I turned 60 this past summer. It's been the weirdest thing. I've never, you know, 30 was not a problem, 40 was not a problem, 50 was not a problem. 60 was like, ooh, Wow. I'm getting up there. This is the decade when people retire. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, this is seriously getting older. I can't deny it. And it's been a strange thing. And, and I, it, in some ways, I think, I didn't think I'd feel this good at 60. I, I feel better than I thought I would feel. I, I walk around sometimes and I think about it a lot. I'm, I go, I'm 60 years old. It's kind of funny. I'm 60. And, I, and I'm, I'm like, okay. And I feel good. I'll go just, I feel so good for 60. This is great. And, but it, it's a strange thing. And I, I, I reflect back to about 40 years ago. It was between my junior and senior year at college. And I had some really lousy jobs. By the way, it's really good to have lousy jobs because it makes you appreciate good ones. You know? So I had some lousy jobs. And I, I remember I was in one of my lousy jobs. And I was thinking, oh, no. It was like, I, was, I had this feeling, I'm being sucked 
toward this black hole of career misery. Because after I graduate from college this year, I got to go to work. I got to grow up. And I'm not looking forward to it. All my, my enjoyable life is about to end. I have one more year of fun, and then it's all over. And, and you know what's funny? Now, here I am, 40 years later. I've, I'm in the ministry for 37 years, and I'm asking myself, where did it all go? I got here pretty fast. It hasn't been nearly as miserable as I thought it was going to be. It's been a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I've enjoyed my life a lot more than I thought I would when I was 20 years old. I'm kind of like, I don't know if you hear, heard about that conversation between the two frogs on the lily pad. One said to the other, time sure is fun when you're having flies. And I kind of felt that way, you know. Um, so time has flown by. Time has flown by. It, it's the wise man or woman who takes stock of their life. Chronos time, the span of time in your life. There's two words I want to, maybe there's another word for time in the, in the Bible, but there's two words I know for sure in the Greek. One's chronos and one is kairos. Chronos time is chronology, the span of time that you and I have to live. The beginning and the end. And then there's another kind of time that's called kairos. That's opportunities when doors open. Kairos, moments. When all of a sudden, boom, it, the, the door opens and you're supposed to act. So there's spans of time. Chronos, and there's opportunity times, Kairos. And we're supposed to be wise in the way w- what we do with those things. So um, there's, a, there's an old wise person in the Bible who spoke about time. And his name was Moses. And Moses lived to be 120 years old. And interestingly, there is a psalm that's attributed to Moses. Psalm 90. We're going to look at Psalm 90 today. And it's true, I think, that most of us listen more to older people when it comes to time than younger people. Older people have a better perspective on what time is like because they've been both old, they've been both young and old. Young people have only been young, they haven't been old. Old people have been both. So they see. And you know how it is when you're, how it is, it's kind of relative when you're younger, how slow time can seem to pass. And you think you're immortal, you're going to live forever. And then the older you get, how fast time passes. And you're like, I'm mortal. It's a totally different perspective on our lives between young and old. And so an old man gives us perspective on time. It's fitting that that somebody like Moses did it. So let me read the first 12 verses of Psalm 90. You can open your, your, your phone Bible to that or your paper Bible and follow along. So here's what he says. Lord, you've been our dwelling place throughout all generations. Before the mountains were born or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. A thousand years in your sight are like a day that has just gone by, or like a watch in the night. Yet you sweep people away in the sleep of death. They are like the new grass of the morning. In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it's dry and withered. We are consumed by your anger and terrified by your indignation. You set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. All our days pass away under your wrath. We finish our years with a moan. Our days may come, our days may come to 70 years or 80 if our strength endures, yet the best of them are but trouble and sorrow, for they quickly pass and we fly away. That sounds like a good song, huh? I'll fly away. If only we knew the power of your anger, your wrath is as great as the fear that is your due. 
Here it is. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. All right. So Moses said some observations. Our true home is with God. God, oh Lord, he says, you have been our dwelling place through all generations. Outside of God, our life is that of a vagabond or a hobo or an orphan. Constantly wandering. Jesus affirmed it. He said, he said my father's house has many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me that you may be where I am. So our chronos time, our lifespan should be lived in him when we have him as our home. And we can never lose that home if we're in him because the second thing that he talks about is God is everlasting in verse 2. Literally, God is older than the hills. There's no beginning and no end to God. He's older than the Himalayas and the Rockies and the Sierra Mountains. The only secure, long-lasting place to be with your life is with God, the everlasting one. So with God, everything is good. Outside of him in our journey through time, it's not good. In fact, it's pretty bleak. It's grim. Moses turned his attention from God to us, and this is what he said about us. Basically, people disintegrate. Return to dust, O sons, O men. We're literally falling apart, returning to the dust. And, and just look at the way we talk, right? You know, um, I'm, I'm getting cataracts. I'm losing my hearing. I need a new knee. I need a new hip. I need a new shoulder. Um, I'm losing muscle mass. I'm losing bone density. You know, on and on it goes. We are just break. Our hair's falling out. You know, it's not so much that the hair's falling out that's the problem. It's just that it doesn't grow back. <laughs> because everybody's hair falls out. So the problem with, you know, male pattern baldness is I'd be okay if it would just grow back. It's not the falling out part. Okay. So we are. We're just literally, we're literally falling apart. And, and, that, and, and, and again, the New Testament, Paul said, outwardly, we're wasting away. I mean, it's a consistent thing. We're breaking down. We're wasting away. We're falling apart. We're disintegrating. And I know that's kind of gloomy to think about. But we've got to look at our troubles and we've got to look at death square in the face or we're going to have more troubles. You know, the great thing about birthdays and the new year and funerals is that it kind of stops you and slows you down. So you'll step back and look at your life. You know, we've had... You know, Donna prayed. We had Llewellyn Myers. Some of you remember Llewellyn died just yesterday. You know, Luther, this guy who served, beloved guy, served at the mission. He died this week. He had a weak heart, congestive heart failure. Um, Ellen's um, cousin's son died in a car accident. You know, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm talking to my friend from high school, Todd, and he's got this terrible infection in his body, sepsis, and he could die anytime he has another flare-up. Just living on the edge, you, you know, hearing about an old classmate. That, it's like, wow, we need, we need to face that because it's reality. And we face reality helps to, us to deal with reality. So Moses continues. He said, not only are we de- disintegrating, but he says human life is brief. In verses 5 and 6, he says, You sweep people away in the sleep of death. They're like the new grass of the morning. 
In the morning it springs up new, but by evening it's dry and withered. So, you know, you might live 70, 80 years. I know some of us live longer today. But it's still brief. It's still short. It's kind of like desert grass. In the, in the morning, the dew on the grass in the desert makes it look kind of fresh. But after a day under the hot desert sun, it's just withered and brown. He says, that's what human life is like. It's like a, a blade of grass just drying up in the desert sun. So what has brought us to this place of disintegration and brevity? Well, sin. Look at verse 8. You've set our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. We're eroded by sin. It's driven a wedge between us and the everlasting one. As the prophet Isaiah said, your iniquities have separated you from God. Kind of think of, uh, think of uh, life in the womb. So uh, uh, an egg is fertilized. We have the beginning of a human being. That egg, that fertilized egg, has six to ten days to plant itself on the walls of the uterus of the woman. If it does not plant itself to the walls of the uterus of the woman, there'll be a miscarriage, and that baby will not develop. It's separated. It's detached. For that egg to grow and become a human being, it's got to be attached. And in the same way, when you think of sin, sin separates us from the life source, the womb of God. We can't tap. If God is everlasting and he's life, if we're not attached to him, then we don't have life. Other scriptures talk about sin in this way. That the wages of sin is death. Because we're not attached to the Father. Because sin separates us. Sin, when it's full blown, it gives birth to death. Sin is deadly. The fatality rate is at 100%. It kills our spirits. It kills our bodies. It kills our souls. And the weird thing is, we can be oblivious to that, thinking we're really alive, when in reality, we're just dead men walking. We need help to see, to feel our sin. We need to feel the conviction. God gave the Holy Spirit to convict us of sin and righteousness and judgment. Something that that the Spirit was sent to do. Now, all of this devastation in human life caused by sin um, explains Jesus' attitude towards it. Because there's some really hard things to hear about God towards us. That God is indignant with our sin. He's indignant. In in verse 7, he's angry. He's even wrathful. Do you ever wonder, why would God be so upset with us? Well, think about it this way. This is the way I think. If you really love someone... And you saw their lives being destroyed by something. Wouldn't you be angry at what's destroying their lives? Really. If you, if you, um, we probably have different things that make us upset about what destroys human life. But maybe you knew somebody was destroyed by cancer. You get mad at cancer. You're just upset with that. Just, I'll tell you my, my thing that, that ticks me off. You know, it's, it's, it's emotional, and it's been this way since I was a boy. Drugs. From the, I, I remember being on the Rose Parade route. We used to go to the Rose Parade. I was raised in Southern California. We beat the Rose Parade. And I remember being down there in Pasadena and then hearing, you know, sirens at night. It was about a mile down the route. Somebody had overdosed on drugs. 
And I, I just, as a boy, I felt people dying very strongly. And I just thought, oh, how horrible that is. LSD, heroin, cocaine, meth. I look around, I see the devastation that drugs do to people. How it damages their brains, how it destroys their relationships, how it destroys their finances, how it makes them homeless, how it makes people mentally ill. And I get ticked off at drugs. I hate drugs. You know, illicit drugs. I'm not talking about prescription. I hate them. It's so strong inside of me. And to live in a culture, it's just been a plague. It was, you know, some people around here think the 60s were great. I didn't like the 60s. I was a boy in the 60s and I didn't like them. And I I have a color in my head for the 60s and it's dark. It's black. That's the color because that's what I remember. And it was the 60s that drugs were released on this nation like never before. And we've never recovered from it. If you wonder what's going on, you know, down on the, on the bike path, on the Jorodata Trail, a lot of that is attributed to drugs. Well, it's mental illness. Well, it's drugs also contributing to mental illness. I mean, they've done the studies on this. And so I, I get indignant at it. I hate it. I hate them. And that gives me some understanding. Of why would God be so indignant? Because he looks at our lives and he sees sin and he knows what it does to us. He knows what we were meant to be and he sees how sin has been killing us for, for millennia. And he's just like, oh, that ticks me off. God does get angry. He has emotion. And he's, he's against things that destroy human life. And which by the way, we should be glad about that. Because that means he also was one who will protect us and save us from that thing. So here we are. Old man Moses says, our brief disintegrating lives fading away because of our sin before our eternal father who created us to be at home with him. So he offers a prayer that should be our prayer. Teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. So again, teach us to number our days aright that we may gain a heart of wisdom. In light of our short troubled existence, what should we do with the time that we have? And I know you could go to, you could go buy books on time management, all right? And I'm not going to give you those things. There's a lot of wisdom. There's other wisdom. I'm not going to say everything there is to say about time this morning and how to manage your time. But I want to give you some big things about time. That we should really take care of these things with the lives that we have. First of all is this. And, you, and these are in your, if you want to fill out the notes, you can write these in. Wisely numbering your days. First of all, get mercy for your sin. Let's read the scripture together. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Okay, remember sin is like sin separates us from the source of life, God. And faith in Christ connects us back to God. That's the good news. John said, John chapter 1, verse 12. To all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. When you're a child of God, you're attached. You're attached, just like that little fertilized egg in the mother's uterus. It's attached. And when you reattach to the Father, then life is released to you. Jesus paid the price for your sin and for my sin, so you wouldn't have to. He himself, Peter said, bore our sins 
in his body on the tree so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. Paul wrote, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. God understands our sin predicament and he's taking care of it. Praise the Lord. Mercy. Let me, you know, for those of you who have mortgages, let's say somebody came up today and gave an announcement and said, at the end of the service today, I'll be sitting over here at my desk. And for all of you who, who have a mortgage, we have, a, we have an offer to you that we will pay off your mortgage. All we need you to do is come over here after the service and sign online, give your name, give us your email, your phone number, and we'll take care of it. For those of you with mortgages, how many of you would take that offer? You'd go over there and take it. That's, wouldn't that be awesome? Think how, You'd walk out of here, you'd feel different. No kidding. When you, when you pay off a mortgage, you breathe different. You walk around different. You're a little lighter. The, weight, the scale may say 175 pounds. No, you're like 165, 150. I mean, you're just lighter. And that's exactly what Jesus has done. I know you've got a debt to the Father. Listen, I take, I've taken care of it. Just come on over here, put your name on the line, and we'll wipe that all out. That's an awesome thing that's been offered to us. So if you, if you do anything with your lifespan, make sure you get mercy. You know, at the Franklin Cemetery, all those people who are buried at the Franklin Cemetery, there's one decision above all that was important that they make. It's what did they do with Jesus? What did they do with him? It's not how fat was their bank account? What kind of job did they have? What kind of person did they marry? None of that. That's all secondary. I know every funeral I go to, that is the number one question in my mind, and probably every Christian who's there, that's the number one thing they're, they're thinking. What did they do with Jesus? So if you, don't, if, that, if you don't do anything else with your life, make sure you get mercy. Second thing, live a life of love. I mean, I love this. When you find these nuggets in the Old Testament, let's read um, verse 14. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. That, that he's not saying go out and love. He's first of all saying just, Lord, come and give us your love in the morning. If you, if you had that, um, that deep feeling of being loved every day, imagine what kind of impact that would have. You know, I hear a lot of uh, just talking to people about what kids go through today and the, and the cyberbullying, the stuff that goes on on social media, and how there are kids who have committed suicide because of the things that they've been told on social media. Do you know, folks, if, if we get this inside of the hearts of people, that I'm the beloved, then no matter what you say about me matters, no matter what you throw at me, I know who I am in Christ. I know I'm cherished. I know I'm valued. I can handle anything. Anything that happened that I didn't get from my parents, that ever, that's ever been said about me, any amount of rejection, I can handle anything if I feel it. It's a powerful thing. I mean, Paul said it. And here's the deal. It's not just, do I hear these verses in my head? It's, I've got to feel this. Paul prayed this. It was a prayer in Ephesians 3. As I pray, you may power together with all the saints. And I quoted this a lot 
to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, to know this love that surpasses knowledge. So you can't even put it in a Webster's Dictionary. You can't explain it with words. But you just know in your soul that you're beloved. That you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God. That is such an awesome prayer. What a great thing for us to aspire to. I, I know, you know, I, I feel blessed because I know that my, my parents delighted in me. And I know a lot of people don't feel that. And because they don't feel that, there's a whole host of problems that go along with that. My mom would come home, hey, look, Rick, look what I got you. I got your rainbow sherbet ice cream. That was my favorite ice cream. Oh, thanks, Mom. She'd come home sometimes. Hey, Rick, I, I was out shopping, and I got some of these, if you remember the 70s, Hang 10, Ocean Pacific shirts. And I'm like, oh, Mom. And, and my older brother didn't like the way she, her style. I did. I'd wear whatever she bought. And so she kept buying me stuff. I was like, this is a great deal. Just say, yeah, Mom, I like it. She'd keep buying me stuff. My dad, I knew, you know, I, I was the apple of his eye. I knew the delight. I felt his delight in me. And so I just have a sense of, you know, I, to think of God loving me, that's not real hard because my parents did. But there's a lot of people who don't have that. So how, where are you going to get that? Pray that prayer. You may power together with all the saints to grasp the full love of God. I mean, we need to go through life because if we don't feel the love, we can't give the love. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you don't love yourself, how are you going to be able to love your neighbor? So we need to live with our time, with our chronos time. We need to make sure that we're living love. Satisfy us, O oh Lord, in the morning with your un. It never fails. He'll never let us down. So let's go. Number three, have a vision of God. Have a vision. It says, Moses said, verse 16, May your deeds be shown to your servants, your splendor to their children. Right now, God is working around you somewhere. Jesus said, my father is always at work. He is on the move. He is doing something. When we see him, that helps us to know what we should be doing. So our time commitment should be according to that vision. What does God want to do with my life? When I'm seeing him working, how do I manage my time? Example, Bill Bright, I think it was, it was Campus Crusade. He started that. He was the big guy in the four spiritual laws way back in the 60s and 70s. He's passed away. But Bill, Bill Bright ordered his life by the Great Commission. He was, he was all about evangelism. He could be speaking at a conference, and there could be a line of all these people who were donors to his organization, wanting to talk to Bill Bright, the great Bill Bright. People say he may have won more people to Christ than Billy Graham. In fact, he's, he, they're the ones who, pub, who made the Jesus film. It's going worldwide that thousands of people come to Christ all the time through that film. And Bill Bright, they said, if he found somebody was not a believer, and somebody said, could you come and talk to my husband? He came tonight. But he, Bill Bright would not talk to the donors. He'd make a beeline for the table where that unbeliever was and talk to him and spend his time with him. He ordered his time and his life by the Great Commission. That was the, the gift, the passion that God had put in his heart. On a, on a you know, smaller level for me, you know, I knew when I, when I graduated from college, that I, was, I had this desire to, to grow up and become a man. Because we live in this world where we don't even know what to do with adolescence. And I just felt like, you know what? I've been doing my own thing. I've been going to school. I've been doing piano, playing sports. You know what? It's time to grow up. 
It's time to get a job, learn how to use a checkbook, you know, how to fix things, take care of my car, you know, and, and, and I, here's what I had. Here's the rub. I had this offer to learn another piano concerto. It was a, it was a Gersh, George Gershwin piano concerto and play with the, the college orchestra. The conductor approached me and said, would you come back and would you play this with our orchestra? This would be after I graduated. So I said, yeah, I'll do that. And so I had the, I had the, the score, the music for it. And, and I'm going, and in my heart, you know, it's like, you know what? That's not what my life's about. My life is not about music anymore. My life is about growing up and becoming a man. And so it's like I did not have the heart to play anymore. And I, I, I had to tell the guy, you know, I can't do it. I gave him the music back and said, I just, I'm not going to be able to do that. Um, because my life, my life mission at that point was become a man of God. And I had to cut piano out. And it's, when I made that decision, I thought, I may never play piano again. I mean, that's how serious it was for me. But having a mission, what is God doing inside of you? What is he doing around you? It helps you to monitor your time commitments. And the last thing, number four, is seize the moment. He says in verse 17, establish the work of our hands for us. Yes, establish the work of our hands. The best work you ever do is the work that God has for you to do. He'll present opportunities for you to act. Hearts are open at, at Kairos moments. And we need to seize those moments. You see those moments when they're happening around you. For parents raising children, it says in Deuteronomy 6, listen, I want you to impress these things on your children when you lie down at night, when you get up in the morning, when you walk, walk along the road, and when you sit at home. I want you to look for those teachable moments to get this word into the hearts of your kids when they're really pliable and soft inside, when they're really looking at you and teachable. There's going to come a time when your kids get older, they're not going to be as amenable to what you say. But look for those moments now to shape your kids' Christian character. You know, we had, uh, we're doing this thing with Nazareth the comedian. Why are we doing this? Well, the door kind of opened. We're doing this thing at the fairgrounds because he offered to do it. And it didn't cost us any money. (laughs) He said, we'll pay for it. I've got an organization. We'll rent the fairgrounds to do this. And that's what we're doing. So we're just going with the door that's opening. We have this mission opportunity in Mindanao. Why are we doing it? The door's open. Somebody's offering the property. We have a people group that don't know Jesus that we're going to share with. And somebody's doing the blueprints. And we're going to have people. It's like, well, we've got to walk through that door. You know, when, when my, uh, my, little, my youngest little grandson was being dedicated um, back in July. No, not July. Back in around Thanksgiving. It's kind of a big church that my daughter goes to. And uh, we weren't going to be involved in it. I'm just going to be a spectator, you know. And so I'm not even dressed for it. I got my Levi's on and my, you know, my tennis shoes. And, and we're back in Michigan. And I'm sitting there. But the whole morning I was thinking over Theodore, my little grandson. Um, God chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. It was Ephesians 1.4. I'm thinking that. God, you chose this little boy to be holy and blameless in your sight, to walk with you. To be with you, to be, you know. So we go, and, and we're sitting there in the pew, and I'm just kind of relaxing. And the pastor comes up and says, hey, uh, would you like to pray over your grandson? I was like, oh, oh, oh I wasn't quite ready, you know. <laughs> it's a big church, you know. I've got my leave. I'm not dressed for this. And, and he says, well, I'm thinking, well, okay, I do have something in my head. 
and uh, and then and then they get up there and and my my daughter Alicia had a, a, a verse to be spoken over Theodore and guess what it was God shows us in him before the creation of the world I didn't know that and I just went hmm I think God wants me to pray over Theodore I mean that's a little thing but all the times there's just little doors that will pop open to you I was in the jungle in Peru years ago back in the 90s we were in the fourth world we were really at a place where I don't even think they would seen white people before we played soccer barefoot in the mud with them. And then at night, we're going to have a service in a little building with one light bulb and people peering in the windows. And there's like six, five, six pastors on this trip. And, some, and the, our leader said, okay, who's going to preach tonight? And, and I'd had this message going through my heart. I'm like going, but this is like the fourth world. I'm going to go from Spanish to Aguaruna. There's going to be three languages. I've never done that before. How can I connect with people that are like from another civilization? But it's like, you know what? It's inside of me. So I guess I got to share. And, and all the pastors, nobody volunteered. We're standing there. And I said, well, okay, I'll do it. I'll preach. And I did. And you know what? It was great because I, I got a spear out of it. And that, that's really come in handy. I was the guest speaker, so I got a spear. It's in my garage. Um, but... You know, there, there are opportunities that come to us, and we have to look at, God, is this your Kairos moment for me? We live a troubled life. It's a short lifespan. We're, we're, fall, we're falling apart. What are we going to do with it? Teach us a number of our days are right. God, have mercy on my sin. God, help me to experience your unfailing love on a daily basis. God, help me to have a vision of what you're doing, to see what you're doing. And God, help me to just to seize the moment on those Kairos moments that you give me. And so I want to pray this morning for, for you, for us. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Uh, Father, we, we do pray that you would help us to be wise with what we do with our time. We've been reminded this week that life is short. Llewellyn, Luther, others, we're not guaranteed another day. Lord, we want what we do here to matter in the great beyond forever. So help us. Give us wisdom about that. Lord, I pray for uh, all of us that we would know your unfailing love. I especially want to lift up people here who did not feel love growing up from a parent, from classmates, Maybe they felt a great sense of rejection. And I pray, Lord, that the full dimension of your love would penetrate their hearts and that you would heal the wounds in their lives, that they would have something to give because you've touched them. Lord, I pray it wouldn't just be a scripture verse. I pray it be an experience. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to see, give us a passion for, for what you're doing around us, to be a part of your work in the world. Help us to know the gifts that you've given us, the passions you've given us, and to use those with the time that we have to serve you. Lord, help us to recognize when you're opening doors for us to, to serve and to act and to move and to care. 
Lord, help us not to be distracted by trivial pursuits or just kind of live in a fog. Help us to be alert. And if you haven't let Jesus pay your sin debt, and you haven't signed on the line to say, I accept that offer, I'm going to invite you to do that now. It's a matter of admitting that you sinned and then accepting Jesus' free gift of forgiveness. So you can just pray in your heart, Lord, I admit that I've sinned against you and my sins have separated me from you. I ask you now to take them all away. Cancel my sin debt. Throw them in the ocean. May they be removed from me as far as the east is from the west. And come into my life. Be my Lord, my Savior. Make God my Father. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that, I just encourage you to talk to me. And and I want to talk about baptism with you. Okay, And Father, we pray that you go with us this week. Let your face shine upon us. In these days that we have, Lord, may we be living for your glory. And may we, as your people, shine like stars in the universe. I pray in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. 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 God bless you.